ओनो मित्रुण शोत्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो वायमेव प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मेव प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामि रतम वदिष्यामि सत्यम वदिष्यामि तन्मामवदु तद्वक्तारमवदु मां आवतु वक्तारम ओम शांति 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 ओम सहनावदु सहनो भुनक्तु सह वीर्यंकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्वहै शाति 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 ओ यदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयास्प्रणत तस्वधारण भूयासम शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय शाति 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 ओ अहम वृक्ष कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृत क्षिदेत्रिशंखोर्वेदाचनम शाति 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 ओ पूर्णमद पूर्णमिद पूर्णमुद्यद पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओ शाति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलयंकुणाल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे अंतनःश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यदयानंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनं
Concluding the discussion on the Mahavakya Tattvamasi, it was said that the so-called Jahal Lakshana, where a word completely gives up its meaning, the method of implication called Jahal Lakshana, where the word completely gives up its meaning and another connected meaning is substituted in its place, is not applicable in case of the Mahavakya Tattvamasi, because if tat or tvam completely gives up its meaning, in that case, the identity that is sought between tat and tvam will not be established. <coughs> because the point is that tat and tvam, or that and thou, or jiva and brahma, are not totally opposed to each other. They are opposed to each other in part, meaning as far as the upadhi is concerned, as far as the attributes are concerned, jiva is limited in every way, and ishvara is limitless, meaning possessed of the attributes without any boundary. So, at the level of Upadi, yes, there is a contradiction, but Jiva also is consciousness in its essence, and Ishvara also is consciousness in its essence, and therefore, if you completely give up either one of the words to substitute something else, then the identity that we are seeking will not be established, because this statement I mean, seeks to reveal an identity between Tat and Tvam. Or Ajahal Lakshana, where we retain the principal meaning and add something to complete the sense, like, like the red runs, even that also will not be applicable because if we retain both these words Tat and Tvam along with its contradictions, then by adding something, the contradiction will not be removed. And therefore, that method of what is called Ajahal Lakshana also will not be able to explain the statement. Therefore, the only lakshana vritti or the implication that is applicable here is the so-called jahada jahal lakshana or bhagatyaga lakshana where the viruddhamsa or that aspect which is contradictory is given up and the aspect or part which is common is retained. Just as in this statement this is that devadatta, this devadatta is this person here that Devadatta is that person characterized by that time and place and these contradictory elements are given up and Devadatta the person is retained and that is how that statement reveals the identity that in spite of totally looking different persons persons look different and still is one person so person is one and then the thisness and thatness are something that is superimposed upon one person so we have person Devadatta, upon that you super, upon that Devadatta, you superimpose the characteristics denoted by that time and that place. Upon the same Devadatta, you superimpose the characteristics denoted by this time and this place. So this and that are the superimposition upon one Devadatta. And that, that is what creates the contradiction. And so giving up that contradiction, we are able to appreciate the identity of Devadatta, the person. We know this famous statement, Purna Madaha, Purna Midam. Adaha also means that. Idam means this. So this statement means that, that is whole and this is also whole. Or that is complete and this is also complete. What is meant by that? By that we mean that which is remote. Meaning God or Brahma is complete and this, which is perceptible creation also is complete. Or that means that which is remote, namely Ishvara, and this means something that is directly experienced, namely Jiva or the I, that that is also complete, and this is also complete. So naturally a question arises, how can there be two complete entities? Because for something to be complete, it should be all-inclusive, otherwise it cannot be complete. If it excludes, for example, if Ishwara or Brahma is complete and, and excludes me, in that case it cannot be complete because there is something outside the boundary. So complete or whole is that which is all-inclusive, which does not exclude anything. So it must necessarily be non-dual. 
then how do you understand this statement of Upanishad or the Vedas, which says that that is also complete and this is also complete. This can only be understood when we understand that. That and this are the ideas that are superimposed upon complete. So complete is the truth of Brahma. Upon that we superimpose the idea of that or remoteness and think that Brahma is separate from me. And upon that we superimpose the idea of thisness and say that Brahma is something that is proximate. Or thisness meaning we superimpose the idea of creation upon Brahma. And this is what creates the contradiction. So contradiction is not in the essence, contradiction is in that part which is superimposed, which is mithya or which is unreal anyway. Therefore, it is unreal that we seek to give up and not real. So, the person who believes that, we have to completely annihilate ourselves in order to know the identity between Jiva and Ishvara. <coughs> One cannot annihilate oneself because the self is beyond annihilation. Avinashitva. So, there is no way that the self can ever be destroyed because it is indestructible. It is only upadi, which is superimposed upon that, is what is to be annihilated. And there is no annihilation in the physical sense, it is to be appreciated that this is mithya. So annihilation is to see the mithyatvam or the unreality of what is unreal, that's all. And that is, as you said, should be the, the whole perception of our own life. It is interesting how that jahal lakshana or completely giving up the meaning of one term will not work. And similarly, in life also, it is not that I have to completely give up myself in order to appreciate the identity. To appreciate the identity between Jiva and Brahma, somebody believes that the ahanka, the I should be completely given up. Not completely given up, only the contradictory part is to be given up. That is, some people are trying to erase themselves. Some other people are trying to use ajahal lakshana, add something. So retain the words tat and tvam and add something in order to complete the sense. Thus we keep on adding different other attributes on ourselves, like name, fame and power, etc., hoping to be able to see that identity. But that basic contradiction between tat and tvam, as long as it remains, regardless of what further you add, is not going to make any difference. <coughs> And therefore, like light and darkness are completely opposed to each other. So, retaining that opposition, you add anything in the darkness. That is not going to, in, that is not going to eliminate the, the opposition to the light. And therefore, similarly also, tat and tvam, if you retain them as they are, and you keep adding something, that means adding some characteristics or attributes of ourselves, even that also will not bring us to the identity that we are seeking. And therefore, the method here is giving up or seeing the mithyatvam or the reality of what we call the contradictory parts. That smallness and bigness. Smallness and bigness are both superimposed upon one which is beyond smallness and bigness. Thisness and thatness, you know, they are also ideas superimposed upon one that is beyond thisness and thatness. So truth doesn't have this truth or that truth. Or it doesn't have smallness or bigness. All these ideas are superimposed upon truth and that superimposition is what is sought to be removed by seeing it to be superimposition is what the statement Tattvamasi or that thou art tells us. Akhanda Chaitanya Pradivadagasya Tattvamasi Divakyarasya in this manner, the preceding passages presented before us, this Vakyartham, the meaning of this Vakya, the statement, Tattvamasi, Saprapancham, along with all its prapancha, along with all its details and explanations of what is meant by Tat and Tvam, what is Vakyartha, what is Lakshyartha, in which manner the identity can be appreciated. So having, with all the details, the meaning of this statement, Tattvamasi, has been explained. And what is the meaning? Akhanda Chaitanya Pradibhadagasya. The statement which actually seeks to expound 
the akhanda chaitanyam. That tat and tom, both of them are nothing but one indivisible consciousness. So what the statement conveys to us that all there is is one indivisible consciousness. What we call tat also is the same consciousness. What we call tom also is the same indivisible consciousness. And this is what the Vakya, the statement, Tattva must be presented. And this is how the meaning of the statement was explained by the teacher here. Having done that, Idanim, this was from Chandogya Upanishad, which belongs to Samaveda. And now, another statement is taken up for discussion from Bruhadaranika Upanishad, which belongs to Yajurveda. Idanim, Yajurveda, now is described another another Mahavakya, which the author says Anubhava Vakyasaha. So Tattvamasi is what the teacher tells the student that thou art. And the student responds with his own perception or understanding, which is here called Anubhavakya. So the teacher gives an instruction that thou art. This is called Upadesha Vakya, or the Vakya of the nature of, the statement of the nature of Upadesha or instruction. So Tattvamasi is the instruction that the teacher gives to the student. And the student when he comes to know, then he responds to, with, you know, his, his own knowledge, understanding of the statement, and that is called Aham Brahmasmi. The student comes forward, yes, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahma. So therefore it is called Anubhavakya, meaning the vakya of the statement that reveals the experience or the knowledge of the student. <coughs> and that is what now the passage 170 on the page 98 says. Adhuna Aham Brahmasmi Iti Anuhavakyasaha Varanyate Asa now Asa means thereafter Thereafter So having described the Having discussed Or expounded the meaning of the statement Tattvamasi Now Isanim Aham Brahmasmi I am Brahma. Aham is I. Brahma is Brahma. Asmi is M. Aham Brahmasmi means I am Brahma. Iti Anubhava Vakyartha Varnate. This is called Anubhava. Anubhava means experience actually. But not the experience in the sense that is meant normally involving the duality of the experiencer and the experienced. But by the word experience is meant here one's own knowledge or one's own conviction. So when the teacher teaches or gives instruction to the student, and when the student also sees exactly what the teacher has unfolded, then he comes up with, he expresses his own conviction. Here it says intuitive experience, that's how the translation is. Intuitive experience. So these are different words that are used. For lack of any word, different people use different words. Therefore, the word that we use is knowledge. But very often, the word experience also is used in the literature. So, here also, for example, the word anubhava. Anubhava is generally translated as experience. Of course, the word anubhava can also be understood. Anu means paschat or in keeping with. So, bhava something that happens in keeping with something else. So that which happens following the instruction of the teacher can be called Anubhava. Bhu means to be. So Bhava is becoming. Anubhava, that which happens in keeping with something. Anu means in keeping with something. So that which happens in keeping with the instruction of the teacher can also be called Anubhava. But very often the word Anubhava is understood as or translated as experience and therefore this word experience is very common in literature. Which word has connotations which we don't like? Because the word experience always involves some kind of a sensation. 
What experience also involves happening of something which was not there. What experience also involves something that comes and goes. Experience also involves the duality of experiencer and experienced. So in all these connotations are there with the word experience. We avoid using that word. But you will find this word anuha or experience often mentioned in the literature, in, in this Vedanta scriptures. So we should understand what the word experience or anuha, what we mean here by the word knowledge. Knowledge means that conviction. That yes, I, I, my own conviction that I am Brahma. Teacher says, you are Brahma, and then I see that fact. And then when I say, I am Brahma, then that is the statement that expresses the conviction or the direct apprehension or the immediate knowledge of the student. <coughs> says here, Guru Mukhat, Navakratvaha, Going back to the story of Chandogya Upanishad, where this particular instruction, Tattvamasi, is given, there the teacher Uddhālaka gives instruction, Tattvamasi, to the disciple Shvetaketu. Nine times, Guru Mukhat, Navakrutvaha, Tattvamasyādi Vākyashramanād. So when Shvetaketu listened to, this, to the instruction of the teacher nine times, Tattvamasi, 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 that thou art, being unfolded in different ways, then, Dehadi, Ahankaranta, Jarapadartha, Sakala Drishya Vilakshana, Pratyagatmanaha. Then Svedigatu saw that Pratyagatma, again, Pratyag means inner, that's also a word, Pratyagatma, the inner self, meaning the, the essence that I am, is Virakshana is quite distinct from Dehadi Ahankaranda Jadapadartha. That Shvedikatu could see that I or the self is Virakshana is quite different from this body or the sense organs or the prana or the mind right up to Ahankara. So closest to the self is Ahankara or that's ego or the sense of individuality. And the farthest thing or the grossest thing that we generally call aham is this body. Thus, as a result of this teaching on the part of the teacher, Shvetaketu, the disciple, could see that Pratyagatma or the inner self, the indwelling self or myself, the essence that I am, is that which is different from what we call this anatma, the non-self, which is jada, which is inert, not self-effulgent, not self-existing. What is to be understood about the body or the mind and the ahankara is that they are all there, all right, but they don't exist on their own account or that they don't shine on their own account. That they shine because atma shines. They exist because atma, the self, exists. When you see that fact, so that is seeing the fact of mithyatvam or the anatmatvam of this body, mind, intellect, complex. Thus, as a result of this teaching, Shvetaketu disciple could see that his body I am not. Body is inert. Body is sentient or body is conscious, not because of its own self. Body is conscious because something else gives its consciousness. Body is conscious because the self or the Atma presides over this complex and therefore this complex exhibits its sentiency. When the mind also functions, mind also functions as though it is a conscious entity. Why? Because it is self that is reflected in the mind. And just as when the sun gets reflected in the bucket of water, how that water becomes illumined, and how water also gains the ability to illumine something else, and so also the mind becomes illumined when the awareness gets reflected in that. And the mind in turn gains the ability to illumine the sense objects. But that the mind illumines the sense objects and experiences is not because the illumination is inherent to the mind, but because it is the self that is reflected in the mind which gives the mind the ability to illumine. Tameva bhantam anuhadi sarvam. The self shines and everything shines after. In that sense, this upadi is called jada. The body is called inert. Jada. So understand, jada is a technical word. And therefore, these are technical words which should be understood for what they are. 
Normally, word jada means inert. And normally, by the word inert, we understand insentient. So usually, what is sentient is called conscious bias, and what is insentient is called inert bias. So when we use the word jada or inert, what comes to our mind is something insentient like table or a chair. But that is not what is meant by the word inert or jada in Vedanta. What jada means is paraprakashyam, that which is not self-effulgent, that which shines on account of some other light. So in that sense, comparatively, we may say that sun is conscious, inasmuch as it is self-effulgent. The moon is jada or inert. Even though moon appears to be shining, we still call it inert because that shining of the light that the moon exhibits doesn't belong to itself. It is in the borrowed light that the moon shines. So how the moon shines in the light of the sun appears to be self-effulgent. And how by the reflected light of the sun the moon gains the ability to illumine the whole world. So even though the moon illumines and even though the moon shines, we know very well that the moon shines not in its own account, but it shines because of the light, reflected light of the sun. So sun we will call self-effulgent and moon we will call inner. In this illustration, in this illustration, sun shines on its own account, so it will be called self-effulgent. And the moon shines on the account of sun, therefore we would call it inert. However, when we inquire what is it that makes the sun also shine, then we realize that sun also does not shine on its own account, but sun shines because our eyes illumine the sun. If the eyes did not shine, the sun also would not shine for that person, and therefore it is the light of the eyes which illumines the sun. Then sun becomes inert, eyes become conscious. But do the eyes shine on their own? Then we realize, no, eyes of the sense organs also do not shine on their own, but they are illumined by the mind. In that case, the sense organs also become jada or inert, and the mind becomes conscious. But does the mind shine on its own? The mind also does not shine on its own. It is the self, the pratyagatma, the self that we call the inner self, or my own essence. That is what even illumines the mind, because of which the mind is unleavened, because of which the mind shines. Thus recognize, Shvetaka will recognize, the everything beginning from ahankara, the sense of individuality, right up to this body, all of these, which so far he was calling a self, really are not self, because self can only be which shines by itself, which is self-effulgent. So far he thought that this complex is self-effulgent. Now realize that it is not self-effulgent, it shines in the borrowed light. And what is self-effulgent is Pratyagatma, the indwelling self, the witness. <coughs> so this witness or self-effulgent, self-existent self, I, and what is the nature of the eye? Shuddhena paramatmana saha ekattva bodhanantaram. So when the teacher said that tattva you are Brahma or you are limitless, what did the teacher mean by the pronoun you or the pronoun how? That Shuddha, that Paramatma, that, that Pratyagatman, that indwelling self, which is self-effulgent, self-existent, and therefore different from or distinct from this body right up to ahankara, this body, mind, intellect, ahankara, that whole complex which is jada or inert. So teacher says, the self, which is self-effulgent, that is, tat meaning, that is Brahma, Shuddhena, Paramatmana. So the self, that is Paramatma. What is Paramatma? Parama means limitless. That is devoid of the limitation of time, space, or objectivity is called parama. So paramatma is the self which is devoid of time, space, and, you know, limitations. That should the paramatma or that limitless self you are. So this is what the teacher revealed several times. Then Svetikatu would see that it is not the body that is meant to be identical to the paramatma, or not the mind, not the ahankara that is paramatma, but then the Shuddha Chaitanya is Paramatma, and this identity he could see. Kastit Adhikari Labdhavasaram Sarupadavir Muttam Satchidananda Ekrasam 
अनुभवी न जिज्ञासु हो सो सम जिज्ञासु सम वन अ डिसाइपल हु इज हु वाज एंशियस टू सीड फॉर हिमसेल्फ सो दिस उपदेश ऑफ द इंस्ट्रक्शन दैट इज गिवन बाय द टीचर द डिसाइपल हु वाज एंशियस और डिजायरस ऑफ सीइंग इट एज द ट्रूथ ऑफ हिज ओन सेल्फ आचार्योपदिष्टम लब्धावसरम सरोपाद विनुमुक्तम द आत्मा इज सरोपाद विनुमुक्त है डिवर्ड ऑफ ऑल द उपाधि सच्चिदानंद एक रसम द आत्मा इज सच्चित आनंद एक रसम द होमोजीनियस नॉन डिविजिबल सो द डिसाइबल हु वॉज एंशियस टू सी दिस ट्रूथ बाय हिमसेल्फ आचार्योपदिष्टम अहम ब्रह्मास्मी वाक्यासम अनुस्मरन देन दिसाइपल सीज दिस फैक्ट एंड दिस प्रोक्लेम्स हिज ओन कन्विक्शन अहम ब्रह्मास्मी आय ब्रह्म अनुस्मरन स्वात्मानंदम अनुभवती एंड ब्रह्म ब्रह्म इज लिमिटलेस दैट लिमिटलेस ऑल्सो मीन्स फुलनेस फुलनेस ऑल्सो मीन्स आनंद आनंद मीन्स टोटल हैप्पीनेस so student actually is revealing his total fulfillment so when i know the self as brahma meaning i know myself as complete as whole as full and never lacking nothing so the total freedom from lack or the total freedom from any sense of bondage or limitation which is what we call ananda or the total happiness is what the student revealed in his statement aham brahmasmi i am brahma and it is that vakya it is a statement that now the teacher here seeks to analyze seeks to describe <clears throat> how did it happen briefly the uh, author here describes in brief how did that process take place so we were told now what is the process of instructing that the word now what is the process by which the student comes to know that is what is briefly explained now in the next few passages <clears throat> says the passage 171 evam acharyena adhyaropa apavada purasaram tatvam padarthau शोधयिवाक्यन अखंडाथेबोधिते अण अहम निशुद्ध बुद्ध मुक्त सत्य स्वभाव परमानंद अनंत अद्वयम ब्रह्मास्मी अखंडाकार आकारिता चित्तवृत्ति उदेती एवं आचार्येण अध्यारोप अपवाद पुरस्सरम आचार्येण अखंडार्थे अवबोधिते एवं इन दिस मैनर आचार्येण बद टीचर अखंडार्थे अवबोधिते मैन अखंडार्थ अखंड मीन्स डिविजन अखंड इज इनडिविजिबल और दैट विच इज फ्री फ्रॉम डिविजन विच डिविजन इज देयर the division between the seeker and the sought the known and the known division between jiva and brahma which division is felt and all that the teacher seeks to reveal or seeks to communicate or seeks the student to see is that this division that you think is there is false and thus teacher seeks to reveal the self as akhanda akhanda meaning the in the undivided or indivisible so akhandarthe avabodhite in this manner when the teacher avabodhite taught gave instruction of the self which is akhandartha 
which is of the homogeneous one, homogeneous non-dual consciousness. Adhikarinaha. Then for the adhikari. Adhikari means for a competent student. So it is necessary that the student should be prepared. When the teacher gives instruction, who will be able to really follow the instruction or be able to see the meaning of the words as unfolded by the teacher? One who is prepared, adhikari. And in the earlier passage, this adhikari has been very greatly described in detail, you know, the, the author himself described in a long passage, the adhikari means a fit student. In the passage 6, adhikari too. So we saw that right in the beginning. Who is adhikari or a fit student or a competent student? One who has his mind purified. So who is adhikari? Basically, who is the one who is fit to, to know this? Is one who is desirous of knowledge. That's all the adhikaritvam, the only yogyata or the fitness that is needed to gain the knowledge is an intense desire to know. Of course, the intense desire to know will be there when other desires have dropped off. Our priorities have changed so completely that the only thing that is important is this knowledge. That means one has recognized that importance that, that arises from within its, its strong desire to know. And when would that happen? Only when one discovers that it is knowledge that alone is what I require and nothing else. When one discovers that it is ignorance that is my problem and nothing else. That there is no real lack in me. That is not that I have to accomplish something in life in order to uh, become free or complete. That I have to know. And thus when the mind becomes free from any ambitions and sense of accomplishments, which will keep the mind directed towards the worldly pursuits, so that is what we call vairagya or dispassion, which comes as a result of viveka or discrimination. And thus because of viveka, discrimination, there is vairagya, dispassion, and the priorities are all settled, that all that I am seeking in life is one thing, and that is this knowledge. So when one's mind is totally filled with this strong desire. That's all is adhikaritvam or the fitness that is required, nothing else. And that shows that the mind is free from all other desires. This is what we call a pure mind or a transparent mind because the mind doesn't want anything else. So mind is free from all desires or ragadveshas. So this is called an adhikari that we discussed earlier. Also called sadhana chatushtya sampanna one who is endowed with the sadhana chatushya sampatti, the fourfold inner wealth. And that was viveka, the discrimination between permanent and impermanent, nitya nitya vastu viveka, the discrimination between the permanent and the impermanent. Iha mutra, the phalabhoga viraga, a dispassion towards the pleasures available here and hereafter. <coughs> Shamadi shatka sampatti, the inner wealth beginning from shama, Vashama is the quietude of the mind, freedom from likes and dislikes. Dhamma is a self-control over one's organs of perception and action. Uparama, a total freedom from all the inner urges. Titiksha, forbearance, the ability to be able to put up with situations and things that are not conducive or agreeable. Shraddha, an implicit faith in the scriptures and the teacher and the teaching. And Samadhanam, a single-pointed, focused mind. So this was the six-fold inner wealth, which all culminates into mumukshutvam, a strong desire for moksha, or a strong desire for liberation, which is seen as jignyasutvam, or a strong desire for knowledge. So this is how an ideal student was described. And we have said, any number of times in the past also, that one doesn't begin as an ideal student. One begins with some kind of adhikaritvam, some kind of a preparation is there. But in course of time we get prepared. In course of time even this very teaching also prepares us. So as we understand the teaching, our notions, our likes and dislikes and false desires etc. start dropping off and that's how we discover in inner purity. So when that adhikaritvam is gained in course of time, when that adhikaritvam, the inner purity is gained, and that strong desire for knowledge is gained, 
what they would like to call a burning desire skin, then Aham Brahmasmidi, then in that student, Aham Brahmasmidi, I am Brahma, idi Chitta Vruttihi Udeti. The important thing is Chitta Vruttihi. Vruttihi means a mode of the mind. Vrutti means a mode of the mind. A thought modification, they call it. So we know what a vritti is, that whenever any cognition or perception, that knowledge takes place, for example, the chair knowledge, then we know how that knowledge takes place, is that the mind, along with the reflected consciousness, it travels from the gate or aperture of our sense organ, such as eye, and reaches that object of perception, namely chair, and assumes the form of the chair, the illustration commonly given is, like the water flowing out along a channel, and then filling up a field, you know, having a certain shape. So similarly also the mind travels through the channel of the eyes or sense organ, and when it contacts the sense object, such as the chair, and then it assumes that form of the chair, and thus we have a thought modification of the form of chair. And that is called vritti. We call it chair thought or chair vritti. <coughs> so in short, in order for knowledge to take place, a vritti or a corresponding thought form is necessary. Otherwise the object can be there, eyes also can be there, all the material may be there, but still, for whatever reason, if the contact of the mind with the sense object does not take place, then the vritti or that thought form corresponding to the object also does not take place, in which case the perception does not take place. So what is necessary is the contact of our mind with the sense object. And then we have what we call vritti. So that is the ghata, so for chair, so there is chair thought. Ghata, a ghata thought, or ghatakara vritti, a vritti or thought form of the form of ghata. So that vritti or the thought form which reveals an object should be true to the object. If if there is an object in front of me which is chair, then the thought must be corresponding to chair, and then alone we call it the knowledge. If what is lying in front of me is rope, and the vritti that takes place in my mind is snake, then it is not knowledge. Because the vritti is not in keeping with the object in front of me. And therefore, just any vritti or any thought form is not called knowledge, a thought form which is in keeping with the object, which it reveals. And similarly also, so as we say, we say that a knowledge has taken place only when the corresponding thought form takes place in my mind. How about knowledge of Brahma? Yes, a, a thought form or a cognition or appreciation or apprehension of Brahma also should take place in my mind. And that is called Brahmakara Vrittihi. It is Vritti or a thought having the form of Brahma. Meaning a thought which reveals the truth that I am Brahma. So this thought modification should take place. That is what we call knowledge or Jnana Vritti. Jnana Vritti means a thought form which reveals the true nature of the self. It's Jnana Vritti. <coughs> and what is the peculiarity of this Jnana Vritti? In case of the knowledge of the ordinary objects, when that vritti or the thought form takes place, like ghatakara vritti, a, a, a pot thought or a chair thought, then there is a khanda, there is a division. What is the division? Division between I, the knower, and chair that is known, that khanda or division is there. So in all ordinary forms of knowledge is, what we call this triputi, or this triad, of the nature of the knower, the known and the knowledge, this, these three factors are always present in all forms of knowledge that normally take place. All forms of what we call objective knowledge involves this triad 
of the knower, the known, and the knowledge. And therefore there is an awareness on my part that the chair or any object that I know is different from me. That division between the known and the known always remains in this, all these forms of knowledge. But that is not the way Brahman is to be known. If Brahman is known as something different from me, then we go back to that statement of the Kyanopanishad. Yadi manyasaya suvedeti dharami vapinunam tum vetta brahmano rupam. When the disciple came back and declared that, yes sir, I know Brahman very well. Then the teacher said, if you think that you know Brahman very well, then you don't know it. Or you know only a small fraction of it. Because when do we say I know something very well? When we objectify it. So it seems that you are objectifying Brahman. Meaning that you are taking some kind of an object as Brahman. Meaning that you are taking some insignificant name and form as Brahman. That means you know only an insignificant aspect of Brahman, not Brahman. And so Brahman is to be known as a self. Therefore there cannot be that duality of the subject and object in that knowledge. It is knowledge all right. that goes away correspondingly. Here on the other hand, you are aware and you know what you know. So there is a knowledge or apprehension. That's why it's called Jnanavrati. And still, that is a very peculiar knowledge. Peculiar in the sense that it's different from ordinary forms of knowledge where there is a duality or the division between the known and the known. Whereas this vritti eliminates that very division. That vritti reveals the truth which is, the truth of the self, which is undivided. That the knower and known are one alone. So this is called akhanda akara vritti. Also akhanda akara. So akhanda means indivisible or non-divided, undivided is akhanda. Akhanda is division, akhanda is undivided. So they, they call it absolute oneness, akhanda akara means that oneness, so this thought or this knowledge reveals the oneness between the knower and the known. The silence I am, awareness I am, that formless, boundless silence, awareness I am. So this that you come to know, there that I am and the silence that I know are not different. When what I know is my own self, well, that is how when the knowledge takes place, then we call it, I see myself as that boundless, formless, awareness, silence, awareness. And this is, this knowledge we call akhanda, meaning it is a knowledge of my own self, when I see my own self, not see as an object, understand? But still I see myself, that's the, the wonderful part of it. So buddhi or our intellect has the ability to reveal the self. When that intellect is directed towards the objects, then it has the ability to reveal the objects. And when that very intellect is directed towards the self, then it also has the ability to reveal the self. And thus, it is a, the buddhi or the intellect, that, thought, that knowledge, the thought form, what we call jnana-vrati, is that which reveals the name, my own self. I see myself as awareness. I see myself as formless, as boundless, as free from lack, free from division, free from limitations, free from bondage. There is called akhand akar karita vritti. A vritti or a state of mind which is akhand akar, which is, uh, which reveals the truth which is undivided. <coughs> How does the teacher, what does he come to know? Says, Aham Brahma, what is the nature of that Brahman that he comes to know as a very self? Aham Nitya Shuddha Buddha Mukta Satya Swahava Paramananda Antadvayam Brahmasmi I am Brahman such as this. What is the nature of I, Brahman? Nitya. Nitya is this permanent. So this knowledge or Brahman is not something, an entity in the realm of time, Nitya, so that which 
even which transcends the time or that which is even the substrate on the time, that which even eliminates the time, and therefore there is no time sense. The time sense is there as long as the duality of the known and the known is there. Or that is real. Here I realize that nitya nityoham meaning that I am eternal or I am free from the limitation of time. I am the very basis of the time. I am the one that even eliminates the time. Even time also is witnessed by me. And therefore, time is in awareness which I am. I am not in time, but I am the awareness in which the time is. And that's how one sees oneself as even free from that limitation of time which is called nitya. <coughs> Shuddha, so I am Shuddhoham, I am pure. What sort of impurity, absence of impurity finds? Avidyadi doshrahityam. Avidya is ignorance. See the self as of the nature of pure knowledge or awareness. Devoid of any ignorance and the products of ignorance, namely that ahankara, mamakara. The sense of individuality or sense of possessiveness is what we call the impurity. Arising from ignorance, see the self as shuddhoham, I am pure. Even ignorance also is illumined by me. I am the one that is pure illumination. Untouched by ignorance or any products of ignorance. That pure, pure means untouched. That's what I am, Shuddhoham. This is Buddhoham, so Nityoham. I am timeless. Shuddhoham, I am pure. Buddhoham, I am enlightened. So Prakasa Rubatvena Jadhyadikam Vivachidyade means I am Buddhoham, meaning what? I am self-evolution. I am self-shining. I am effortlessly shining and illumining everything else. So Buddhoham, self-shining I am. Self-effulgent time. Muktoham, he says, I am free. In what sense I am free? Sarvopadirahityam. This body, this mind, this intellect, this ahankara, this upadi, I am free from that. It is not that upadi is annihilated, but I appreciate that I am free. In spite of the body being there, in spite of the mind being there, they don't bind me. The bondage of experience because I got identified the body and I took myself to the body. Now I see that I am totally untouched by the limitations of the body of the mind and therefore muktoham, I am free. Free from mortality, which is the limitation of the body. Free from littleness, which is the limitation of mind. Free from ignorance, that's the limitation of the intellect. Free from Isolation, that's the limitation of the ahankar or the ego. I'm free from all these limitations. Satyam. Satya, satyoham, meaning satya, I'm truth. Avinashis bhavatvam. So truth means that which cannot be negated, that which cannot be dismissed, that which cannot be uh, destroyed. So imperishable. Truth I am, which cannot be dismissed, meaning which is the irreducible substratum. So when we, when we stretch this process of the discrimination between the seer and the seen, where does the process ultimately culminate? It culminates into that which is, which cannot be further negated or further reduced. Satya means truth, that irreducible substratum as we say. So that is, which is the substratum or the basis of everything. <coughs> Paramananda, param anandoham, he says anandoham, happiness I am, parama. So uh, uh, before ananda, an adjective parama is added. He said earlier parama means supreme, almost exalted. So paramanandoham, that supreme or the most exalted ananda I am. Vaishaikam, Vaishaika, Manushyanandadi, Chaturmukha, Brahmananda Pariyantanam Karma Janyatvena Sadhishayatvena Shaishnutvena Tukshatvat So, the Ananda that he knows the Self is Vyakshana. It's something quite different from the ordinary Ananda that I knew. 
the ananda or the happiness that we know is a happiness that is generated as a result of the contact of sense object, object with the sense organ or the happiness generated because of a state because it's a state of mind so in short the happiness that we are accustomed to is a state of mind which state of mind arises on account of a contact with a desirable sense object or it arises for whatever reason but it is something that is born the happiness that we know of is a state of mind which is born when certain conditions were satisfied so when things were agreeable or conducive or whatever then that mind becomes happy that happiness is what we call born and that is born also subsides and that's the reason why the happiness also subsides in a train time and therefore karma jinyatvena so happiness that we normally experience is karma janya so produce or born as a result of karma so this is what is to be understood that whenever we gain an experience of happiness we generally assign that cause of happiness to some object or a situation but the fact is that the happiness is experienced by us only when some past punya karma or virtuous deed fructifies so punya karma or the virtuous deed or meritorious deed which may have performed in the past when that fructifies at a given moment whatever that moment is that is when we feel happy because it is our experience that in spite of having everything that we would desire we don't feel necessarily happy and sometimes even without the presence of anything that is particularly desirable i find myself happy so really the experience of happiness cannot be connected as a rule with any external situation it can only be connected to the fructification of the past action anyway so it is punya karma that gives rise to the experience of happiness and the punya karma being limited when that karma gets exhausted the experience of happiness also subsides so karma janyatvena number 1 it is impermanent it is transient satishayatvena what will be intensity of happiness that i experience that also varies and when i even even when i am experiencing happiness most of the time there is this there is this kind of an apprehension in my mind that it could be better satishayatvena the experience the happiness that is normally experienced is subject to improvement it is not quite like this so this is nice all right it's beautiful christmas tree looks beautiful but not like last year the gift is fine but not like what i got 3 years ago all oh, this food is good but not like what you cooked last week and like this so every experience of happiness leaves something to be desired we know that it could be better than what it is this is called satishatvam which can be surpassed or improved upon so happiness that we normally experience is what we call transient on account of its being born from punya karma action it also satishaya meaning it is something that can be improved upon krishnutvena is something that is transient that comes and goes and therefore it gets exhausted or it perishes it is perishable tuchchatvat and that's the reason why we are not satisfied with any experience of happiness we are momentarily satisfied but then dissatisfaction comes to us because we want more than what we are experiencing and we want that experience of happiness to last longer than what it does and therefore we find ourselves dissatisfied with every experience of happiness ultimately they behave virakshanam what is the ananda that he experiences so it was called parama ananda in order to ananda means happiness in order to distinguish the happiness of the self from the happiness that comes from the sense objects the teacher here is added the adjective parama that happiness of the self is parama ananda or happiness not limited something that not sadisham not can cannot be improved upon krishna that doesn't so there is no krishnutvam that doesn't die down because it is not a generated happiness so happiness which is state of mind is born or generated as a result of some reason the happiness that is the self 
is not generated, is nirnimitta, meaning it is without nimitta or without any cause, uncaused or spontaneous. And therefore, it is no birth, it is no death. And this is how I recognize the self as happiness or fullness, which is spontaneous, natural, not subject to coming and going. Because happiness experienced by human beings right up to Creator, however exalted the happiness is, all of that is limited. In this sense that you said, happiness to the self is, is free from all this limitation. This is what Paramananda, Nirudasya, Ananda, Swarupattvam, Pratipadnyade. And thus, the student recognizes the self as Nirudasya, unsurpassable happiness. Because Nirnimitta, uncaused happiness. Swabhavika, which is, na- which is natural, uncaused or uncreated. If something is created, then it will also, it will perish when the cause goes away. When something is created, there is always a reason why it is there. And when that reason is not there, the thing also will not remain. Why is the sun happy? No reason at all. Why does the sun shine? No reason at all. And so also, why is the sun happy? Why is the Atma happy? No reason at all, because happiness is its nature. So when I recognize the happiness as the very nature of the self, meaning it's uncreated for no reason at all, is, and without any boundary, it's called Paramananda. <coughs> Paramananda, Ananda, Anantoham, Anta means limitation. Anantoham, I am the one who is devoid of limitations. Ghatadivat, Parichedrahityena, Deshataha, Kalataha, Vastutascha, Aparichinnatvam, Bodhyate. Any object such as pot, ghata, or pata, or whatever it is, all these objects are limited in time, limited in place, and limited also in objectivity. This is says, I am toham, meaning, I am free from all this limitation of time, space, or I am not something also. If I am something, then also I am limited by somethingness. Because a part is something. So part is a part and it is not a chair. Therefore, to have any kind of a qualification is a limiting thing. So, it's not that I is something. Anantoham meaning, I am devoid of the idea of being somebody. That somebodyness itself is not there. That's why Anantoham, free from limitation or duality or isolation. <coughs> Advayam Advayamati Nanatvanishvedena Ekatvam Bodhyate Advayoham Non-dual I am. That means there is no Nanatvam. There is no duality. There is no duality in the self. There is no duality in water. There is duality in all the waves, all right. But when the wave recognizes that I am water, then it recognizes that there is no duality in I. One wave is different from the other wave, but no wave is different from the water. And therefore, with reference to all this multitude of waves, the water can be said advayam, meaning it is non-dual. So, sir, I am non-dual. All the duality is seen to be mithya. All the duality vanishes, because all that is, is this undivided consciousness. That's what I am. So, anandadvayam, Brahmahamasmi, this is how the student declares. The student declares his own knowledge, his own conviction, his own apprehension about his self. Because all those what we call the obstacles of ignorance and all the various doubts and all that was keeping this vision or perception of myself away from me, all of them have dropped in light of the teaching. And that's how the student sees the self in for what it is, namely Brahma. So this is how the knowledge takes place. This is a form of the knowledge. When the teacher says Tattvamasi, then the student responds with his declaration, Aham Brahmasmi. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnas 
ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ